Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, the tea's about to be piping hot. So here's the thing about internal and... Here's the thing about internal and external gatekeeping, and I'll start with the external part. There needs to be an extreme upheaval of the system of who is deemed acceptable to come to this party because there is a super weird and actually not logically or like numerically sound system of what publications are within that like lexicon of access and sorry to say a lot of these trade publications and i say that as somebody who probably is a contributor to the hollywood reporter are not necessarily giving you the range in terms of like nuanced reviews and coverage in the way that a lot of these small and indie publications are giving it to you and so invite them to the fucking party Hey guys, I'm your host Joy Childs and welcome to the Color Grade Podcast. Are you seeing all the colors? The Color Grade is an uncensored podcast about film and its industry from a Black perspective. Join us as we go behind the scenes of the confusing, exciting, enriching Black experience at Sundance 2020. I am very excited because I have two friends with me. Um, one is KB. Me and KB have been writing in the same critic circle for a while. Uh, KB is a freelance journalist. She is a video and press junket extraordinaire. So I'm very happy to have her with me. Woo! Yay! I'm so happy to be here. And my second person is Trey. Trey is a deputy ed- editor for Shadow and Act. Trey is my work husband in <laughs> the freelance critic space. And I'm also very excited to have him on the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yay! Okay. So we're here to talk about the 40-year-old version. So candidly, as we're recording this podcast, I have not seen it. I will be seeing it directly after this recording of the podcast. So I will actually have KB take it away and give us a, just a brief synopsis of the film. And then you guys can kind of uh, give your point of view. Yeah, so the 40-year-old version really is about uh, Rada. It's written and directed by Rada Blank, who also um, wrote on the TV iteration of She's Gotta Have It. Spike Lee, She's Gotta Have It for Netflix. Um, And Rada is extraordinary. I've actually interviewed her before for that particular TV show. But this film really represents how um, a, a woman who is about to turn 40, kind of changing her entire life to become a rapper, Um, You know, she's a playwright. She's pretty successful. Mm -hmm. She teaches children, um, you know, theater, but her heart really is in hip hop. And so she tries to kind of change the trajectory of her life. Um, And it is hilarious. It's funny. It's warm. It's endearing. Um, I'm going to give a small shout out right now because my friend produced it. Um, So shout out to Nuka. But it was filmed in Harlem um, over, I think, 20 or 21 days. Um, It's brilliant. It's shot in black and white, which I wasn't expecting for the entire film to be black and white. And it has this kind of New York grittiness and kind of documentary style that I wasn't expecting. But it's, I mean, it's gorgeous from top to bottom. I laughed the entire, it's probably two hours. Trey, I'm like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I laughed the entire two hours and the music is so dope and she freestyles in it. I mean, it's just, and then she 
I, I just, it's fantastic. I don't want to give anything away because Joy has not hmm. seen it, but I will say um, she has some incredible dope black female MCs in it. And it's just, it's a really good production. And Joy knows that I do not like long films. <laughs> like a 90 minute movie is, is my true. favorite, you know, films do not need to be over two hours, but this is a film that's probably one of the longest films that I've seen in a while. And I did not regret any of that time. It was the whole time you were sitting there laughing. It's also very heartwarming. Mm -hmm. And I'm in love with wildly original ideas. And this is a idea that I hope Hollywood gravitates toward and someone, you know, picks this film up. And, you know, even during the screening last night, Rada, someone asked, like, when can we get the music in the film? And she's right. like, you know, anybody out there listening wants to pick us up. <laughs> you know, a soundtrack for this movie, like, it's it's really amazing. Yeah, and I do feel like it's nice to be able to finally see a film about, um, you know, a Black woman of this age coming into her own and realizing that, like, life is a series of journeys, obviously, but, like, no one has it all together, period. Like, no one. And it's also always okay to reinvent yourself. Like if you have a passion or you have a dream that you want to do, you're never too old to achieve that. And I also love that they kind of weave in a little bit of love and romance mm -hmm. that's unexpected yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Not so. to give too much away, but right. it's, it's definitely in there. I appreciate y'all not spoiling this for me. Mm -hmm. um, but I, so I will say this, cause I, I do think it, it goes within the broader conversation. I don't know about you guys, there's a lot of great black films uh, at the festival this year, but particularly directed by black women because Rada did direct this uh, film. Um, and I've pretty much from across the board, I really enjoyed it. Um, what, what do you guys think in terms of seeing a lot of black women directors this year? Yeah, so mm. my two favorite films thus far are actually the 40-year-old version and Miss Juneteenth, <clears throat> and both are directed by black women. And I think it's just because there are certain nuances and layers that you have when you are under the direction. Like if the story fe um, features a black woman protagonist, I feel like having that director is key just because they're able to see certain things in that character. I mean, and obviously in Rada's case, she's directing herself. But I mean, you know, like with Miss Juneteenth, I think she was able to pull certain things out of Nicole that only a black woman director could have for mm -hmm. certain performances. And so, um, yeah, I mean... And I think, well, my, I guess, three favorite films so far were Zola, Miss Juneteenth, and uh, Fordo Aversion. I think all of them were both directed and written, written by, by yeah. um, the filmmakers. And one thing I enjoyed about the Fordo Aversion, not giving too much away, but uh, there are certain things that I think that a male director would not have picked up on or certain things in the script that would have been written differently. And, you know... The log line for this movie is kind of like a punchline, you know, a 40 year old woman who wants to reinvent herself. And I deeply enjoyed how for most of the movie, it wasn't that punchline. Like mm. it wasn't like, I mean, it is a part of like the joke of the movie, but it's not that embedded in the script as it would be. I feel like if a male director had written it, and I think that's a testament to how Rada scripted the film. Yeah, I think that's very true. And I'm glad that you brought up Zola because yeah, I mean, I think we're on the same wavelength in terms of those being like our favorite three films so far. I mean, yeah. we do have a lot more to see, but I still think my ranking might stand the same and I might be biased, but they're all by black women. So I probably will still <laughs> yeah. feel that way. When I, when I leave the festival, they'll probably still be my top three. Yeah, and for the for the listeners who aren't aware, uh, Zola was written uh, co-written and directed by Jenica Bravo. Uh, Miss Juneteenth was written and directed by Je uh, Channing Goffrey Peoples. And then obviously Rada Blank wrote and direct uh, the 40-year-old version.
So, and there's much more. Um, I saw uh, Farewell and More yesterday while you guys were at uh, the 40 year old version. And that is also written directed by a black woman. Cannot pronounce her name. So sis, I'm sorry in advance. I'm not trying to butcher your name. Um, but that is also a fantastic film. Um, so yeah, I, it's very nice to see. Even oh, Cuties was written directed mm-hmm. by a black yeah. woman. Mm-hmm. Really hard watch, but very well done. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's very refreshing to see. And we're getting like different nuanced stories within all of them they're not all the same different genres you know international to to domestic like it's it's been really good to witness yeah this is definitely i feel like so on the first day i went to um jacqueline coley did the conversation with um it's janiska right Janiska Brava. Is it, um, yeah, thank you. I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it right, but she did like a one-on-one kind of um, intimate conversation with her that I went to and we were all laughing. Well, all of the black people really in the room were laughing <laughs> because we were like, wow, this is the blackest Sundance ever. They're like, you know, and she was saying, Janiska was saying that she was texting um, Justin Simeon before, you know, they started to release like, you know, the films for the year and they were both like, well, it can only be one of us probably, maybe two max. So like, yeah. you know, hopefully it's the two of us but then you know come to find out i think they said something it's like 55 maybe this year black films at sundance i think is what i heard and i was like wow that is way more than what i thought and um i was like yes finally i know like finally yeah that's crazy well uh is four-year-old version color grade approved yes 100 percent. absolutely i i think that i still have a few more days of the festival left and i'm pretty sure that it will remain at the top Mm mm-hmm hands down yeah. yeah from top to bottom this is a great preview I'm, I'm excited to see I, I hope that it lives up to the hype everybody across the board have been, has been telling me like you will love this film and I'm like okay so I'm excited to see this after this recording so mm-hmm. yay um, but I am so fortunate to have two critics with me on this episode so we're going to switch up the format and kind of have a candid discussion about uh, what it's like being a critic, particularly a black critic, navigating through kind of the the system of Sundance, especially as a freelancer. And so, I mean, it's no holes bar. Like us three just separate outside of us just being on the mic. We're very candid people. So this is going to be a very fun podcast, I think. Um, but let's kind of just get right into it. You know, we've been, this is my third year at Sundance. KB, how long have you been going to Sundance? Yeah, this is my third year. Because, you know, we've come... We've yeah. come every year together. Yeah. Trey? This is my second year. Second year. Okay. And we've all had different kind of um, levels of access, right? In terms of uh, film festivals, we've gone from working passes to express passes. So it's been a started from the bottom. Now we're here scenario. For our listeners, let me do a quick breakdown of the the press badges, because I think there's a lot of confusion. If, you're, if you've never been to the festival, or even honestly, if you're at the festival and you have a badge, you don't know what the other badges do. So mm-hmm. let's give you a quick and dirty kind of lesson on what the three badges are. The three badges are working press, general press, express press. Working press is the wackest of the badges. The true ghetto. <laughs> it's the true ghetto, <laughs> truthfully. Um, the, to, to make it as simple as humanly possible, pretty much you are on wait list for P&I screenings. And if you want to go to a public screening, you're going to those screenings in your dreams. General press is better. General press, you are you do have access to um, the P&I screening. So you get to stand online about like 35, 40 minutes before. Public screenings, you don't have like express access to, but you do get granted. 10 tickets and there is an online ticket system that you um, get access to. There is a specific window 
So if you apply early to Sundance, you get advanced access to the tickets. If you apply later to Sundance by a certain date and deadline and you get, uh, you know, press accreditation, then it's a little bit more harder to get those tickets, but you still have access to those tickets and you get 10. I've had general press. I have general press this year. I've had it in prior years before. And so um, that's the the gist of, of general press. Express press is the caddy of of press badges, right? It is my bougie yes. life coming to fruition. It is, it is peak. Path. It yeah. is peak like white woman access, yes. and it's great. And so <laughs> you really do. You just come in and be like, white woman oh. access or white man access. It's, but but I think it's just the air of just like coming through peasants yeah. as no, I walk I'll, by. I'll walk in, I'm like, can I speak to the manager? It is very. Can I speak to the manager? <laughs> it's like, oh, y'all standing out there in the cold, couldn't be me, like, and then you just walking in. And then even even with um so I've had the I guess privilege of having an express badge the two years I've been at Sundance and you know people almost look at you differently when you have a pink badge mm-hmm. they'll be like you know you I'll be standing in line for waiting for a movie and you'll see people like like on you like oh what where do you what do you do what do you write for or like who are you because you know certain tiers of I guess um talent and handlers and stuff also will have pink badges as well but their pink badges will say other things if like you're an exec or something but people always be like okay what are you doing here they be, yeah. they be looking at you like beyonce's on this line <laughs> it's true like it's like the willy wonka like it's the golden ticket yeah, it's the golden ticket yeah. it's definitely the golden ticket so but i would say you're the only person i know that's had every badge yes I've had every badge. You've had every badge. Started yeah. from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah. Like, man, I've had every I've had working, I've had journal, I've had express. And it's definitely been a progression of and and so let's put it let's put it this way. So we we can kind of go into into that access. Um I started with working press and that was with a outlet which shall not be named. And uh we did work together. Our editor in chief at the time had an express badge. Um, two of us had general and then I had working and so the films that I was assigned to were ones that probably had a better probability of me getting in via overflow so I remember that year was really cold and like I'm like huddling in the tent praying that like yo let me get in because I have to cover this film getting like one of these like little side seats in the back like trying to squeeze mm. in just to see the theater um, remember and, there were no screenings and there were no screenings no, there were no prior screenings oh, and there were no prior screenings you couldn't get in that's, that's a different episode in itself (laughs) um and you know the access was really bad and i think a lot of it had to do with the the publication that both me and kb were writing for but in terms of who your who which publicists are reaching out to you what pre-screenings that do you have access to um whether or not you can get streaming links or otherwise was definitely difficult and if you don't you don't know what you don't know right so i think it's just learning curve your first year my second year i had an express badge and i definitely was like wow what a difference you know a, a year makes and that experience was super fascinating to me because you now are you know at that point i you know wasn't writing for the publication that i was writing for at that time i was freelancing on my own i was making a name and establishing myself just as my own silo critic and i had relationships with publicists that i could reach out to um you know i live in new york which is a, a honestly a privilege within itself because it's one of two of the major kind of film screening hubs la being the other one and so pre-screenings were happening before sunday so i could see films before write my review have them on draft and then release it when they do you know the premiere at you know on the mountain 
And so I really saw the difference, not only in just like the, the, the coverage that I had access to in the films that I had access to, but even the after parties that I had access to and the networking opportunities that I had access to, it is different. This year, because I didn't write as much, I'm in general press, which is fine because like I'm covering what I'm covering. So it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I'm still able to get in all the same films and I have lovely friends who have expressed badges. So they save me a seat. It don't bother me. Um, but uh, that one is it's pretty much the same access I feel um, in terms of the films that I had access to, as well as the the um, uh, like parties and networking opportunities. Because again, like I'm a little bit older and wiser, so even though I don't have an express badge, I'm still able to finagle my way through. So I do think it's with every year you're you're you know finding your own tips and tricks to survive the mountain. To be honest, yeah, I'd say so. This year in particular, I had um, so last year I I started off first year general um last year i got expressed but i also came at the end of the festival because i just had a personal commitment in the beginning so it's a wildly different experience at the end of the festival i'll say it's you can literally see anything i probably didn't even need the express badge to be honest because everyone else is gone there are not a lot of networking opportunities you're really here to see films write reviews and kind of move on um and then this year i have um an express badge um which again it is not um it's wonderful. I mean, again, I can save seats for friends who are waiting in line with tickets or things like that. But for me this year, because what we realized year one when we were with that particular publication was that Sundance is really network heavy. Mm -hmm. Like you are here to um, network with a lot of people. And that's truly, I'd say maybe even like 60% of the experience here. Like it's definitely more than, than half for me. And so what we learned through being shut out of a lot of things the first year was how to navigate, you know, year after year. So this year, what I really wanted to do is because I noticed that like a lot of POCs wouldn't get the same invites. And so you're not on a lot of the same lists. So I started like a small POC collective Um, And literally, it's just a chat where I was like, hey, guys, I want us all to have the same access to events and opportunities and networking. So I was like, I'm going to drop everything in this chat that I receive. If you guys get something, if it's different, if it's better, whatever it is, just drop it as well. Um, And I think that's been really helpful this year because then people and the POC collective is not just journalists. So it's um, there are directors in there, um, there are screenwriters in there. So it's just um, and I'm hoping next year to kind of expand it. And really, I'm hoping to expand it for most festivals because we like Sundance is not unique in um, that sense, in Mm -hmm. that regard. Um, At festivals, we kind of encounter this a lot when you're Mm -hmm. um, when you're black, when you're a person of color. It's really hard to kind of get that level of access. So I am hoping to expand it a little bit more probably for TIFF maybe um, and then uh, South by maybe not I don't know but TIFF yeah. I kind of want to expand it and then make sure like we all have kind of that level of access because I think it's really important to be in certain spaces and certain rooms with other people especially because I mean here is where you get your um, here like Sundance is a place where you can get things funded where your dreams can come true where you can meet someone and they're like well I'm actually looking for a screenwriter so Mm -hmm. like let's connect and I think it's important that we have that same level of access and opportunities um, you know that our white counterparts do All right, the tea's about to be piping hot so here's the thing about internal (laughs) here's the thing about internal and external gatekeeping and I'll start with the external part yo if we are all on Twitter and we see you, you are white critic going to this party dog we see you and the fact that there are publicists that will be like, oh, there's no party for, there's no after party for Zola, for example. 
but so-and-so film critic from EW is at that party for Zola. It's like, okay, but I have eyes and I can see that he clearly is there. So that's a lie. <laughs> like, and so like that's just, that, 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 like in all seriousness, like there needs to be an extreme upheaval of the system of who is deemed acceptable to come to this party because there is a super weird and actually not logically or like numerically sound system of what publications are within that like lexicon of access and sorry to say a lot of these trade publications and i say that as somebody who probably is a contributor to the hollywood reporter are not necessarily giving you the range in terms of like nuanced reviews and coverage in the way that a lot of these small and indie publications are giving it to you and so invite them to the fucking party please or just like even in general like you know for a lot of these films you can tell when there are pre like we get we'll get invited to pre-screens if we live in new york or la but sometimes there will be like more intimate ones for example in the 40 year version um like right after the film i checked twitter and like you know the big trades already dropping their reviews so it's just like okay well there was a screening and you know they already have enough time to be the first ones to throw their review out and it's just like you know and zola was the same way like someone someone on twitter a white critic on twitter called zola ghetto-tastic and it's just like that person probably went to the after party yeah oh no they're probably there getting his whole ghetto-tastic time at the after party so like it is legitimately a thing i think also it's what films provide pre-screenings because we all live in new york we do have access to pre-screenings at sundance and that's a privilege within itself but not all the films at sundance so i will say when it comes to pre-screenings even that list is a challenge Mm -hmm. because not everyone is on it yep so it's interesting because i know the woman who produced the 40 year old version mm-hmm. and I did not get an invite to a pre-screening. Yep. And they did pre-screening and they did. Oh, 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 our friends went yeah. right to so the one in New York, but like I had no idea that it was happening. And I'm like, so what is like, what's the truth says? So I feel like, I mean, you guys know that like when it comes to things like this, when it comes to gatekeeping, I actually don't believe in gatekeeping. So I will always share because I feel like there is no benefit if I'm the only person in the room. Yeah, Like there's no benefit if I get the invite and I'm the only black woman in the room when I know that 98% of my critic friends are covering this film as well. They're going to give you the press that you want give them a cocktail. Like, I mean, like, why, like, why are we doing this? Like, invite them to the party, give mm-hmm. them this cocktail. I know 95 people are covering this film. Like, let's move on. So this wonderful segue, thank you for the layup. Um, Now going into internal gatekeeping, because we have had the misfortune of writing for a publication that was very good for the internal gatekeeping aspect. And it, it, it genuinely grinds my gears when you have black critics who are not inviting other black critics but want to brag to you of where they're going. Okay, you're talking to me about what party you're going to. I didn't get an email. I didn't get a text message. I didn't get a smoke signal, a pigeon carrier, <laughs> something. And so I'm just like, the like you going to a party is not a personality. I want people to really like let that sit in their spirit. <laughs> also though, like, so I am of the vein that like, celebrities are just human beings like we're all human beings who have to pay bills and Mm -hmm. then we will die so like there is no like oh this is so good like we're all regular people like Mm -hmm. at one day we could all be wealthy the next day we could all you know be struggling like who cares my thing is 
I don't surround myself with people who internally gatekeep because I don't like that type of energy in general. Mm -hmm. And as someone who works in corporate America for a day job, I have enough of that. Yeah. That's happening at work. Yeah. Same. So when I'm doing this, which is my passion, I get to choose and be selective Mm -hmm. who I surround myself with. So anyone who knows me knows, oh, if Kay got it, then she got you. Like, I mean, there's no other like. And same, but yeah, like it's <laughs> like, like look, time. <laughs> like it's wonderful to be able to go to these parties, but like all of this shit can be taken away from us in right. a, in a second, you, right? The shit is fleeting. It is not as tangible as people think yes. it is. And I think when we all start drinking the Kool Aid of well, I got an express pass, I got X, Y, and Z, so that like I am now this grandiose like internal brand of what a black film critic is you know supposed to be cool but also make sure you're bringing people along with you also it's wildly boring to go to these events without your friends by yourself like i mean like it's so boring i just wish people like understood that but like if you don't have friends i don't even want to walk into a party if i don't 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 care who's in there like yes yes like people do not understand i'm like and also i'm wildly introverted Mm. so like the idea of going to a party by myself because they're like Oh, we can't have bring a plus one. I'm like, so what do you expect me to do? So you want to walk into a party you and then... meet new people? Oh, <laughs> right. I can't do it. No, I can't do it. I can't do new people with my friend. Right, with my friend. <laughs> yes, right. I'll be with my friend 99 percent of the time. That right. I'll meet you. Right, I'm like, and I can't, I can't do it. And that's it. Yeah. But like, but it's truthful. Like, you know, in all seriousness, it, the 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 beauty and the curse of social media as a crit- with as a freelance criticism is is that access, right? And so you one thank God for it because I don't think there's a lot of us that wouldn't necessarily have the voice and be able to build our personal grants from the ground up without it. Mm -hmm. So thank God for that because we'd be circling the same six publications. I should also say too, we have to get into a space where like, I am wildly thrilled when my friends get opportunities right. that I don't have. Right. Because I'm yeah. like, at least that means someone else who's brown that I know right. got it. Like gets to do that yeah. experience. Right. Because sometimes you can't. Like, which to be fair, we should say, some things you cannot invite all of your friends to right. or something. It's just not enough space, right. you know? But I'm wildly thrilled when right. they're like, Oh, I'm actually covering this junket. I'm like, yes, be yeah. free. At least someone like, got at least, yes, someone at got least it. one of us got it. Yeah. It's kind of like that feel, like, okay, great. Like, well, like and but that's the but that's the curse side too, right? It's it's like, thank God we have it. And like, thank God that we're able to build it. But like, also remember that like this shit can crumble and crack at any you know standpoint. Be true to who you are. Like mm-hmm. if you can and try and give your like legitimate effort to get folks in the door, please do. And if it doesn't work out, right. at least I know you tried, right? Yeah. But to automatically just like, in that just is, it's, it's wild to me. Yeah. I just don't understand it. I don't have that spirit in me. I don't know why you do, but like, I just, just don't get it. Well, I'm always curious. I'll be like, who raised you? Right. Like, honestly, like, Genuinely who raised who you? Raised you? Yeah. I can't, like, I wasn't raised that way. Like, yeah. always, you just are not. It's always just a yes or no situation. It's just like, you tried, yeah. and I tried, then <laughs> no. You tried, and then yeah. yeah. no. just keep moving yeah. on. We keep them like, hey, girl, I tried. Like, I tried to get you in there. And they said, they were happening. Okay, that's fine. We'll move on. Yeah, but I feel like it's, I'm truly always fascinated, like who raised you? Because my mom would always tell me when I was younger. I mean, does it hurt to ask? So yeah. I'm like, you're right. So hey, I have five. Well, I try it though, y'all, because you know I'll be like, I have 15 people I want. So to. actually, mm-hmm. can you They're add like, 25 oh, people to this? Right. Yes. <laughs> I do try. You should see that text I just sent yeah. this morning. I have five extra people. Can can we? And they're like, yeah, what? what? No. Like I'm like, I'm we like, have- maybe. So yeah, it's like I'll follow you at the door. Like let's right. see what what happens. Um, I'm like actually I'm just gonna show up and then I'm gonna bring my friends and then hopefully it'll just be like. Yeah. Uh. I don't want to pivot back to like 
external versus internal gatekeeping. No, no, but, but please. I will say, though, there's this weird tier, not just at the festivals, but just like being entertainment journalists and critics overall, mm-hmm. that there, there are also different tiers of film one films in general and two like films that have uh black talent too mm. for example like you'll get when you know it's a film like <sighs> when you know it's a film that's black heavy you can black say heavy. It. Yeah. Black, yeah. Heavy. Black, heavy. black heavy black heavy and kind of like bad too not bad but mm, not good for example here, <laughs> here, here, here at sunday and zola is a black film mm-hmm. and then let's i don't let's say a film like uh here. no because i consider i mean Bad hair hasn't been acquired as of this recording, but I really think that it will be yeah. probably soon. Let's say something like Farewell Amore. Okay, that's fair. Um, so you're going to get different access for Farewell Amore than you will with Zola. Like we mentioned, we didn't know about a Zola party. Apparently there was a Zola party. Um, but shout out to, you know, I mean, A24 is production production company that typically helps, you know, amplify our voices. voices yeah. So that's not necessarily like on completely on them but at the same time it's just like this whole the general system of you know you're going to you're going to get stuff for this film because you know we want y'all to see this film and it hasn't been acquired yet and we need this versus a film that oh it has a stat cast oh it's already been acquired so there are going to be different tiers of trying to do it. and that's not just even at the festival that's just like in you know in general like in general. when you're getting yeah when we're getting screenings for other things that happens like you can tell almost immediately and i just want black film critics to not to be continued to put in a box mm-hmm. because if it is a black heavy film, they are all over you. But then your inbox is dry for everything or, else. I've been in like, and you know, I've been doing this about maybe four issues. Mm-hmm. And you know, you'll do things like you'll know, you know, a publisher will be working on a certain title, and then you'll see what else they're working on, or they represent this person, and then you'll be like, okay, well. I don't really care about this, but I'll do this so, you know, we'll get access to this. And then time comes for this to happen. And then it's like radio silence. It's yeah. like, so why did I why did I try to do this to get that? It's like, uh, if I could go back in time, I would do less of that because it's really not going to. I mean, sometimes you do build very good relationships with publicists. You know, me and KB were talking about that earlier today. Like that happens. But other times it's just like, you know, they'll be like, oh, so you're right for a black outlet. Mm-hmm. So we have this black film. But yeah. then, do you want to see the white film? Right. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, why, like, well, that's yeah. why I was like, yeah. Shout out like, to the like, shout out to like, the WB publicists because they're the best. Like, we want <laughs> to see, we want to see right. other I love, films. Too. I love rich white women dramas. <laughs> Come on, hello, a word. Because one day that will be my life. First one saying like, if it's, <laughs> I'll just if, be it's the black, if they if they're wealthy and there's mess, yes. I'm in. Like, I'm watching it. I'm I love like, that ooh, shit. Y'all. So this one, like, I'm here and present. So like, I, but I, I in all seriousness, like, I do, I do agree with you guys. I, there's this weird thing that people assume about black critics that we only know about black shit. The truth of the matter is we write circles around y'all for black content and white content. (laughs) Because we have to uh, legitimately from birth, we have to assimilate and find find ourselves in white characters. (laughs) Because that's all we have in media. I can find myself in Renata from Big Little Lies. Girl, I'm not rich or white or Laura Dern, but like I Hello. love, the only common thing I have with Laura Dern was like, we both like black men, but like in general, oh. <laughs> I love you Lauren. Uh, but in general, uh, like I there, can find myself no in that. But there's no lies told. 
Like, but in general, what I like, I I love that character because I see the drive and I see her being like, I will not not be rich. And I'm like, since I feel that mood. spiritual life, that is a mood. mood. I will not not be rich. And I was like, yep, yeah. I get that. By any and means so, necessary. but like it, like you find yourself in these characters and these personalities because if you're not in broader media in general, you got to find it somewhere, right? And so we already know how to write about these like films because that's what we're accustomed to doing. We right. always code switch. We've been code switching since birth. Literally so this birth. weird common misconception that we only write about black content is so odd to me. Right. Joy and I actually have a list of white faves and we're like, okay, yes. this person, this movie, let's do Olivia listen, Coleman. And, listen, okay, and, let's do and the, I will be watching the last thing you wanted because Dee Reese, but and the Hathaway. Come on. And the Hathaway is another white fave. Another white fave. She, she, is, she is a white fave. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, like, come on. I mean, let's be real. Like, I, it took me a long time to get on the Game of Thrones train. But once I finally did, I was wildly invested in these white people. Like, come on, what is happening? Get this throne, John. What are you doing? What no. happened? You died? Like, that's oh my one. god, come back to life. Like, I mean, I just was like, wow, this is so entertaining. Even, Even though they literally that's have two with Succession black on HBO. Oh, like, oh, I just started. I just started it, and I'm like, I'm literally on like episode two. I just started, it and I was like, these wealthy white people get so angry. That's all, that was also me and Fleabag. I was like, I have, I relate to nothing in the show, but I love it. Except it's for, fantastic. Except for thinking uh, Barack Obama. Is handsome. Yes. Maybe that's yeah, no, that's Succession is um uh, is Empire for white people. It is. Yes. Season, season one Empire. Well, actually, first half of season one Empire for white people. I'm screaming. It actually yeah. feels like an accurate description. And I will say again, really I've is. only seen the first two episodes, but I was already like, wow, these white people are crazy. But here no. we are. But I'm into it. I love listen. Yeah. I, you know, I love white rich white people drama. It's great. Look. Kind of like to 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 summarize and close this because I, I do want to like touch upon the freelancing part and I and I, I do have a little bit of a gripe because I do think as if you are a freelancer critic, it is damn near impossible to get coverage in and out of the festivals. Not just Sundance specific, but just like since we're at Sundance Talk Sundance. It is a part of a broader systematic issue. Because one, if you look at Publication X, Publication X doesn't have black staff writers. So let's start there. Yeah. And staff writers are typically sent to the mountain to cover this festival. So that's one. Two, if you are a freelancer trying to pitch to Publication X and you just want to write a review. No, you're not getting that review. You're not you getting that do, review. You better, you better do an op-ed You better do, a, you better like do a, a, highly, a different angle. A highly pointed op-ed at that a too. Lit, like a specific lens from a specific perspective. That's two. A two thousand word uh, piece on like one part from the film. Right. <laughs> Three, your tip if you're pitching in advance, stop. Because it's not you yeah. need to just see the film on the mountain and then quickly send out a pitch. Because that in, in advance pitching is mostly the missed. Ghetto. Yes, it's the mm. ghetto. Mostly missed than hit. And so <laughs> it's a broader like systematic issue of okay well if you're only in, if you're only bringing if you're only uh, bringing staff writers to the mountain that's probably why all the coverage is white because you don't yeah. got staff writers that you hire that are black that's one and if you're not giving the opportunity to freelancers who are black to do that coverage where the fuck are the freelancers going to be housing their work so I'll say a couple of things because I have this conversation at least once a month it feels like with people who run these festivals and my corporate background of business 
strategy, I'm always like, y'all, I have solutions. So if you want the solutions, you should probably just ask for them because we can fix this. It is one thing which I am grateful for because I will say on this podcast, I did receive the stipend, right? So I received the diversity and inclusion stipend to come. Oh, let's talk about let's it. Let's talk about yes. it. Let's talk about I it. will say it's great. Like, thank you for the opportunity to get that. Here is my other issue. It's one thing to bring people in and have that diversity with the stipend and say, we're paying for you to be here. You're to your point as a freelancer. If I'm here, but I cannot place coverage, that's an issue. Mm -hmm. So we're at the, we're at a crossroads. Mm -hmm. So essentially you feel like you brought us here and you paid for us to come and we didn't do any work when the reality is all we're doing is pitching and we're being told no. Yep. Yeah. So then the reality yeah. is like, you feel bad because you're like, I got this stipend, but I have nothing to show for it. And do you know why? Because I can't get my work covered or paid for. Yeah. So then what ends up happening They're is that you go, and they look back. So two things. One, what ends up happening is you end up having to place your coverage at your friend's websites for free mm -hmm. just so you don't look bad, mm -hmm. right? Because ultimately you have to submit your coverage. So that's something that people don't realize either. When we go to these festivals, they follow up. We probably have like, I feel like we have like three months with yeah, one you have festival. A, you have a deadline. A of time yeah. where you need to submit all of your links and all of your coverage from the festival because this is what they're going to consider for the next, next year. year. When you apply but if i legitimately have been told no by all of the major editors because their staff writers are already here or they're just not interested in hearing your voice on a piece of art or particular body of work then it makes you look bad right mm -hmm. yeah so the issue the greater issue for me is that these conversations are not being had at certain levels mm -hmm. so when thing. you start to create this program and this mm -hmm. pipeline for diversity and inclusion you're not including publicists, mm -hmm. which is a huge no-no mm -hmm. because most of the publicists are like, well, what outlet are you with? I'm freelance. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know where this coverage is going to mm -hmm. last until you can guarantee me an interview. They're like, we don't want to guarantee an interview with someone who doesn't have a publication. Mm -hmm. So you're at a crossroads. Mm -hmm. But then the people in the diversity office are like, oh, yay, you get to see all these films. Right. I get to see all these films and then do where's what with my, my where, Where's my coverage going? And then mm -hmm. do what? Or I didn't get to see all these films because the publicist didn't give me an access to this. Or I really wanted to do these interviews, but the publicist said no. Yeah. So I'm like there needs to be like publicists in the room, mm -hmm. um, editors in the room, mm -hmm. uh, you know, staff members at these festivals in the room. Mm -hmm. There need to be critics in the room. Like mm -hmm. there need to be larger voices amplified in these meetings in order to truly make the pipeline work. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. right now, no one's talking to anyone mm -hmm. and they're all thinking they're doing a great job. Exactly. Right. And it's not. Exactly. Yeah, so. And I have like one kind of maybe two things, but it's because we, we like to talk about like the issues and problems, but like, I think all of the problems kind of are, relate to the inherent issue, like one inherent issue, which is that we can't like get this coverage. Like you, if you, when you're when you're freelancing, like you can't get that coverage, and that goes back to the staff writer issue. And like yes. you know, when it comes to things like I think the first, the I keep bringing up Zola just because you know that's one of the hottest titles here, and you know. When you see most of the reviews, they're written by all non-black people, not or specifically just, white men. Yeah, white men, specifically white men. How could you it's relate like, to a coming of age story about a young black stripper? It's like even if you have, like, do you not even have black people on staff that you would put to write? No, that? no, <laughs> no, the answer is no. That's, the reason, why, and that's yeah. the reason why. So it's like, and and, and it sucks to it sucks to see. Like, so why when a lot of people talk about like access and stuff, it sucks. But it's like it goes back to the reason why people are freelancing because they're not having these staff writer jobs. Yeah, and that's the that's the that's the root of the cause. So like when you think about things like oh I can't get coverage, and it's like oh I can't reference this outlet because this outlet is only sending their staff writers. Yeah, and it's just it's like it's kind of like a domino effect. 
mm-hmm. people aren't seeing like the 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 first dominoes in the beginning of the chain that are like resulting in like the whole all of them falling down and so it's hard because right like at the crux of it too people then are not getting paid for their work yeah which oh a rich a poor white man hell would not accept that right like mm-hmm. oh i did all of this work and i'm not getting you any money for it. for it but that's what we are forced to do so that we can still come back to these spaces we need and so somewhere. because we need the coverage and so thank god we have friends we all have friends who have like their own websites that are like hey just post it here if nothing else we also have friends who at their websites that they've created they want to attend sundance so it also helps them build a case like mm-hmm. i want to get a press badge yeah. next year mm-hmm. can you just drop some reviews on my website so thank god for that but ultimately still like freelancers should be paid for their work yeah. and it's not freelance like, and free right. and i just want to know how important it is for uh, journalists who do not live in New York and LA to come to film yes. festivals because that's, oh. that's some of the only because I'm coming from someone who just relocated to New York City from a place that is I mean has a few screens but not that many but definitely not anything like you know a New York or LA or even like Atlanta or something like that uh, and that's why when I came before like I would definitely want to try to do interviews and stuff more previously because you're not going to be able to go to New York or LA to do those interviews or anything like that. So, you know, you're getting that access, you're getting the advanced screenings here, you're getting the interviews here and it's much easier. And that's, you only can do that a few times a year. So that's why so many people who don't live in these entertainment hubs want to come and get this work done at Sundance because it's one of the few times of the year that they'll be able to do that. Okay. So final takeaways. Hire black people is mine. <laughs> Please pay them. Pay them. Hire black people. Pay, pay them. Please pay us. Uh, please hire us and uh, please invite us to shit. We love. We love a good drink. And drink an, a cocktail and an or two. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I love a good mini crab cake. Yeah. I sign me up. It's fun. Thank you guys. So I am so excited. I'm here at the POV event and I'm joined by a filmmaker, uh, Yutunde. Did I say it right? Yes, she did. Oh my God. Yes, she did. did. My name is Nolika, which is also like hard to say and I always feel such like pride when I come even close. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, firstly, imagine a world where we didn't have to feel pride every single time someone said our names. I know. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I'm Yitunde Dada, one of the co-creators of Otomu, um, one of the virtual reality pieces that's actually being presented here at Sundance 2020. Describe black women doing VR. Like, oh, no, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're really excited to be here um, today. Um, one of the co-creators on the piece, um, Sharif Ali, um, has unfortunately had to fly back to Ashland, Oregon, because she has another um, stage play going on. Um, But yeah, this is our first time here. Um, We're very much aware that we're black women telling an African story um, and doing it using tech that we were not familiar with. Um, But yeah, it's been very exciting so far. Um, So something that we've been asking people a lot is around how being at Sundance, do they feel a sense of belonging? They feel like they belong. Um, And so my question to you is like, do you feel like you belong here? There will be two parts to this answer. Um, I think Atomu, we are from South Africa, Sharifa via Kenya, me via Zambia and Nigeria. And for us to actually be here to tell the story meant that we had that people that believed in us and also invested in us and also 
I don't know, we're convicti- convicted that we should tell this African story. Mm-hmm. So being here around our team has felt that we belong here. Um, because they've basically invested their time, their resources, their money um, to make sure that we could tell the story. But overall, when I look at Sundance, um, I I guess this actually links back to my my background. I'm a product manager in tech in the UK. My my day job is user experience, working with developers and engineers and arguing with them most most of the time. And I think I've been alarmed because some of the conferences I've gone to there, the Python software conferences, will have... 50% 50% women speakers and they'll somehow have 15% African African people represented in their lineup of speakers this is in Europe, in Germany or in London where you see this and I'm like if they can get it right in software which is notoriously hard to achieve a balance, why can't they get it right in the arts so that has been a bit uh, I think it's, it's made me a bit uncomfortable um, coming into Sundance because I don't see a lot of representation even though it's it's pushed that this is so-called important. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy because we're here with the team, but I, um, I, I do look around and I'm a bit concerned about it, or well, the lack of re- representation. When I looked at you, I, I, I see you as someone who has... Um, gotten to somewhere that a lot of people who are seeing Sundance want to get to and then there's also places where you like your own story I imagine have you would tell it is you're still in a process right like that it is the beginning of the journey it is not the destination and so can you tell us a little bit about where you feel you are on your journey as a filmmaker so, like, as a filmmaker, we're still somewhere in the beginning. Um, my background is in photography um, and documentary photography. New form media, um, it has its limitations, but I think even within that, you can create such art around the limitations, especially when you're aware of them. So, now with the first iteration of Otomu that we're seeing now at Sundance, we've basically, we're somewhat, not, not veterans yet, but we are well, more well acquainted with the technology. We will be working on the piece for the next three months um, and releasing basically the second version of Otomu. Um, so if you guys have like feedback for us, please give it to us cause, so you can be part of, part of the next version with us. Um, and that will be, I think when we hit that stage, we'll be veterans of how to tell stories with virtual reality. Um, and beyond that, Otomu has a distribution strategy where we're going to, basically Otomu is based on this myth um, from Kenya that if you walk around one of the sacred trees seven times, you change gender. So this concept's about gender fluidity. We're going to be telling this story in, across the US, across the UK, across France. And, but more specifically, the most important component for us is going back to Kenya where this myth originated from, Sharifa is Kenyan to be able to take the story there where the political climate, the cultural climate is not as inclusive as it should be. Um, so for us, like we're, we have a long-term journey um, basically to walk with Otomu and maybe for future projects too. It's so interesting because when I think about virtual reality, it seems so much more um, in line with like black culture, African culture around like a full body experience or finding ways to create a full body experience around like storytelling, which is part of our heritage. And like, so I guess just a question about your film is how, what was the motivation or how did you access creating a full, you know, body experience around telling the story? There would be two ways that we did that. Um, One way is through technology, the choice of technology. So Otomo could have been made as a 360 video. 
you could have been the tree. You could have been um, walked around the tree and seen the character evolve around the tree. Um, but we decided to go with the Oculus Quest, which is a kind of like lower cost um, virtual reality headset, which doesn't require a computer to use and still require um, still allows you to do something called six degrees of freedom. So you can walk, you can look up and down, you can look left to right. Um, but most importantly, you can move around the piece in the piece. This is important to us as you are represented, the second part, as one of the ancestors that is allowing Wakiki to achieve the most honest version of themselves. Because in the piece, we don't talk about um, gender transformation. We talk about the pursuit of being your most true self and everyone being comfortable with that. Um, so the ancestors, you, um, are basically called to help Wakiki on this journey. Um, so that's actually how we played around with this whole thing of the immersive experience. You're helping someone achieve this. You're doing it with other people and helping this person be the most honest version of themselves. And we, we do hope in the, in the sense that you reflect on your own life and look at places where you're not being the truest version of yourself and do the necessary steps to achieve that for yourself too. I'm so excited. Okay, last. What is your Sundance story? So, like, anything from the airport to how you picked your outfits to something you saw or, like, something you ate. Like, what is, so far, what is the thing that stands out most to you around this whole experience? Probably the sun blindness. <laughs> I've never seen so much white and so much snow. And, um, I, I mean, like, I purposefully left my sunglasses in London. I, was, I looked at them and I was like, it was cloudy that day. I was like, you definitely know, don't need these things. And I've come here and maybe I won't have my sight when I leave. But um, this is sun blindness. Thank you so much. No, no, it's no problem. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Color Grade, recorded live at the Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah. I'm your host, Joy Childs, and you can find me at Jump for Joy on Twitter and Instagram and at joychilds.com. Color Grade is produced by Domino Sound.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.